welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Belge. This week, it's the first of a three-part series where we're going to be talking all about remote work. My guest this week is Jody Anderson Duquette from the Work Camper News. Jody is a wealth of information. We talked about how to find great work camping jobs, what it means to be a work camper, and how to set yourself up for success once you land the job of your dreams. So let's dive in and listen to my conversation with Jody. All right, Jody, I have my guest this week on the podcast. This is actually the first of a three-part series where we're going to be talking about working from the road. And I am really excited to have probably one of the top people who understand this topic because I have with me today, Jody Anderson Duquette and Jody is from work camper news. You help people find work out on the road. So Jody, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a tiny bit about what work camper is. We'll get into that a little more deeply towards the end of the interview. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Kathy. I really appreciate you reaching out to us. We can share a little bit more about what we know the work camping world and work camping community to be. So um, as Kathy said, I'm Jody uh, with Work Camper News. Work Camper News is a family owned business. My parents bought it from the original creators. We've been operating it for, I think, 16 or 17 years now. The couple who started Work Camper News just saw a need more Specifically, it really started in Corps of Engineers day use and campground areas. They saw a need to create a resource to help these entities find more people to support their operations. And it being campgrounds, it made a lot of sense to maybe trade a little work for a campsite, kind of a win-win for both entities. So uh, Work Camper News is the we created or kind of coined the term work camping. I'm sure it was maybe taking place before, but you know, we gave it a name and sort of created the industry around work camping. My family's been operating it for multiple years now. I myself am an RVer and a, a work because work camping is doing any kind of part-time or full-time work while living in an RV. So it really encompasses a lot. I consider myself a work camper when we're out um, traveling around an RV as well. It's, it's a great lifestyle and it's really great that there are work camping opportunities out there to help people maybe realize their dream of RV travel and RV life sooner than later. Awesome. That is a great definition. I know when I originally reached out to you, I had more of a narrow idea of what work camping was, which was probably the traditional working in a campground, that kind of thing. You already just went into how you defined what work camping is. I do want to focus more of today's show on those kind of location specific jobs, because Mm -hmm. I'll be talking uh, to a couple other guests about the different kinds of work camping. So let's talk maybe about what is a typical work camping job. I know Personally, I've been a campground host. I know you can work concessions at national parks. The Amazon has their thing. There's the beet harvest I hear so much about. So what do you, what would you say is like a typical work camping job? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, anyone who's kind of danced around and looked into work camping has likely seen the majority of operations that hire work campers are in the outdoor hospitality industry. So absolutely. Lots of campgrounds, RV parks, whether that be, you know, commercial parks, mom and pop, U.S. Forest Service, or maybe concessionaires that operate, you know, on governmental land. So certainly, yes, lots of positions in campgrounds, RV parks, and keeping those things going. But it it can expand. And a lot of folks, you know, think it is just working in campgrounds, but there's really a lot of cool stuff out there. Um, 
more fulfillment centers are getting in the game. Um, it's not just Amazon anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, DigiKey up in Minnesota, they are bringing in a lot of work campers now. That's a really good gig we've heard. Yep, the Sugar Beet Harvest is, is a good one. They've been hiring work campers for a very long time. Great folks. But then, you know, we can move into some other other things too. Amusement parks. There's quite a mm. few amusement parks that recruit work campers. Those are going to be a few more hours maybe. So if you're more, you know, 30 or more hours a week are okay with you, that's going to be more what the amusement parks are looking for. But, you know, there's things like work in the operations around, you know, popular areas, tourist areas, whether it's hotel lodges, like tour companies that do tours, like there's uh, pink Jeep tours, I think operating in the Smoky Mountains that are recruiting work campers to drive the buses, manage reservations, stuff like that. If you can get, um, if, if your budget allows where you are more flexible and that maybe you're okay working just out some hours and trade for an RV site, you can move more into what is considered the volunteering realm, which might be for state parks, Army Corps of Engineers, National Park Service, National Forest Service, even animal rescue shelters or historical societies, places like that, nonprofit entities. When you kind of get into that realm, to me, that can kind of open things up a little more and maybe more positions that don't feel so much like work. Because, you know, typically, and, and what we're still seeing, there's certainly a lot of younger people coming into work camping, but the majority of our viewers out there are still kind of in, the, you know, at least from our membership base and our surveys we do, we're still in that 50 to 70 age range is kind of mm-hmm. our, our mainstay. So most of those folks have done their career and they're maybe, you know, not looking to work anymore. So anyway, so getting back into the volunteering aspect, there are some really cool things like uh, this one work camper, he's a really big fan of astronomy and he travels with his telescope. So he has worked at a visitor center in what's called a dark park. Um, Mm. And he's done this in multiple places now, whether it be in state parks or uh, National uh, Park Service. And so he sets up his telescope outside of the visitor center at dusk and in the evenings and then just tells people about astronomy and has them look through his telescope and and stuff like that. So he's taken something that he loves and is passionate about and has turned it into a work camping position. So he does that and he works in the visitor center, maybe putting brochures, uh, maybe cleaning a bathroom here or there a few hours a week. And he's getting that in trade for an RV site for a period of time. Maybe you're, you know, really into like history and You'd be excited to dress up in period clothing and talk about a, how a farmstead used to work or whatever. That's a volunteer work camping gig. Mm. Um, you know, you, you really love dogs, go work at, a, at one of the animal rescues that hires work campers. Like there's just really cool things that can be done that aren't going to feel like work. So okay. it's really just important for the RVer to know what they're looking for. First, what your budget is, of course, you know, where you want to go and just what you're excited about. If you're not someone who's a people person, don't take a job working in an amusement park or a visitor center, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe go into maintenance or pool management or something like that, where you're not necessarily interacting with the public. Yeah, that was a really great answer. I appreciate your, the idea of like thinking outside the box. If there's a skill that you have already Mm -hmm. or a, or a piece of equipment, like a big telescope. Why not yeah. turn that into something that can benefit er- not just you, but the public as mm-hmm. well. So that's a great, I like how, I like how you just phrase that about, you know, thinking outside the box and bringing whatever yeah. skill you might have think about how it could be applied out there 
Exactly. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, because a lot of employers aren't expecting folks to come in with exactly the experience or having done certain, you know, jobs before. And I know that's a lot of work campers, you know, nervousness and getting started like, oh, I've never done this kind of stuff before. I've, you know, never been a gate guard or I've never worked in a campground office or whatever. That's okay, you know. And most of the time we've done things, whether it be in our career or, you know, running your home or being a part of maybe a, a church or community group, or you coached your kids, sports teams, whatever. There are skills that you've acquired from all the different things you've done in your life that can apply to the different positions that maybe you, you want to go for. So don't limit yourself in thinking about all I can do is list the skills that I did at my XYZ nine to five job. Like think about your life as a whole picture. And those are the skills and and things that you can put in your resume uh, that, you know, employers will appeal to. That's a, that was actually leads into a question I was going to ask about how to set up your resume. If you like, if you've worked more traditional type jobs, so what, what other kinds of tips can you give us for that kind of thing? Sure. And with work camping, it can be a little more, you know, um, easier. It's not quite maybe what some of us are used to in a career world where you need a, a big resume laying out all your education and all your past jobs and, and all this, you know, lengthy stuff. A lot of employers are happy to just get kind of a one page resume. You don't need to say everything, all of your work history you've done and really just think about what's going to be relevant for that position that you want to go for. So, and making it easy to read, I think is important too. So having like one big paragraph of text is like, oh, that's a lot to read and they may not read it. So breaking up your resume a little bit is good. Consider having, you know, some bulleted lists like, and if you're a couple or a two person team or even a a family, maybe that's a point. And I know this is a um, solo women's podcast, but just say you guys can combine into one resume. If you're Mm. all applying for the, to the same employer, like one resume is typically fine. There's going to be some online application processes that may require each of you to upload a resume. So there may be some exceptions, but most of the time, uh, one resume per household is, is usually good to go. So, you know, break it up, John's skills, Sally's skills, you know, kind of a little bit of experience and just keeping it a little shorter, um, helps with the readability of the resume and focusing, you know, give them your objective for work camping, what you want to get out of the experience that you're hoping to have. But also remember that the employer is looking to find people that are going to be of benefit to their operation. So what are you bringing to the table? What experience will that employer have because they hire you and bring you into their operation. So try to put your mind in the employer's shoes as well when you're kind of putting together your resume. Of course, talk about yourself, but also talk about the transformation the employer may have because they know you now and and you were there helping them out. So yeah, so just those are kind of some things there. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really good advice. No matter what kind of job you're applying for is to really think about how can this, how am, how am I going to benefit the employer? You brought something up that, that I did want to talk about. And Mm -hmm. that is some of these sites uh, uh, put out there that they're looking for a couple. And this, our podcast is for solo women. So just curious. My first thought is, 
hey, that's discrimination, you know, mm-hmm. is I, I'm assuming it's legal to, to do that because because they're doing it and they're not getting called out. But but my second question is, you know, is there plenty of work out there for solos? And if they see a job that they really want, but it, they're asking for a couple, is it worth it to apply? You know, there's really there's there's two it seems like kind of two types of solos that I see, especially out there on social media, you know, kind of going back and forth. There are folks who say employers never hire solos and rah, 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 rah. <laughs> And then there's folks, solos who are like, I have more job offers than I can take. And I've never had a problem finding a job and I go where I want to go and do what I want to do. So I think a lot of the mindset, and I'm, I'm not saying it's not going to be harder for solos. It might be. If you're looking for a paid for every hour RV site and perks provided job in the most beautiful part of Florida in the winter, yeah, it might be a little harder for you to find positions. But there are so there are more jobs out there now than there are work campers, you know, because the work camping realm has trended just like kind of the general business realm with the pandemic and stuff. Folks are having trouble finding people. So there's no shortage of jobs. There may be a shortage of that exact perfect job that you're looking for, but no shortage of jobs. So I think a lot of it is just mindset and it's work to find a, the right work camping yeah. job. It's yeah. not necessarily just going to fall in your lap. You can't just magically scroll one time through a Facebook group and be like, there it is. I'm done. I found my job and it's perfect, you know? So from our perspective here at Work Camper News, based on the ads that are submitted and employers with us, they can put whatever they want in their ad text. So some employers will indicate if they will only hire solo couples, families, whatever. And, and some don't mention it. So sometimes we don't know what the employer will consider or not, but Based on the ads that come in, over 60% of employers say they consider solos for their operations. So, and again, that's just the employers that state that. So I, I think it's even more than that. So I think some of it is just solos maybe aren't looking at all of the opportunity listings that are out there. Perhaps the funnel that they're looking at maybe is really heavy with just commercial campgrounds. Because especially in the campground realm, they're usually giving up an RV site that would normally be in their rental pool that they'd make money from. So certainly they would rather get six workers out of three RV sites than six workers and six RV sites. So yeah. that's usually why those campgrounds do that. You know, they prefer to have the two workers to the one site. In places like the concessionaires that operate in the national national parks and and areas like that, they're limited to the number of RV sites that they can lease from the National Park Service. So mm. sometimes they have to be cautious too about, you know, keeping those numbers balanced. It, it can be frustrating for solos. I totally agree. There's going to be times where you're like, oh, I really want this job. Mm. But like you said, if there's, you know, you're reading through a job listing and it's like, I really want to do that. And that's where I want to be like contact that employer, you know, what, what's the, I mean, it doesn't really cost you to it'll yeah. cost you to send an email, a little bit of your time, you know, right. but absolutely, I wouldn't hesitate and just keep that positive attitude. And yeah, you just, you just got to go for it and be proactive. There are a lot of employers that will begin seeking work campers, you know, six months before the start dates of the job. So um, just yeah. be proactive, get your resume out there. Um, if you have a resume at workcamper.com, just keep continually updating it the more frequently you update your resume the more often it appears on the top of employer search results so just staying active 
in your your application process and your your job finding process. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for all yeah. of that. Sure. You, hit on, you did hit on something that I was curious about, which is okay. I'm seeing, you know, reports that campgrounds are over full and it's going to be hard to find camping sites this summer. But I'm also reading about the job reports where employers are having a hard time filling positions. And I just wondered how those two intersected since it's, it's you know, specifically thinking about campgrounds, how those two intersect mm-hmm. in right now with the job market for work campers. So I, I do think, you know, it is a, a concern and it's likely happened in some places that some operations are operating with not quite enough folks. And it could be, you know, it's going to depend on ownership and management, but, you know, it could be work campers are ending up with more work than they bargained for or more mm-hmm. hours, more pressure. And so you, you just kind of, as a work camper, you have to watch out for that. And it's good to be flexible and be able to compromise. But at the same time, you don't want to let yourself be taken advantage of. Make sure you have that work agreement. We recommend all work campers get a work agreement that lays out the expectations between you and the employer, you know, start date, compensation, duties, kind of timing as to when compensation is going to come in and, and kind of that kind of stuff. Okay. So that was like the first way I wanted to answer that question. And then okay. there was another so it's okay. Also with the way kind of the, you know, the craze for camping is kind of going, I think that is meaning more people may need to get into work camping if they want to go and be somewhere, you know, good luck finding a campsite on a weekend outside of Yellowstone or, or something like mm-hmm. that. So you may want to consider work camping just so you can go be in an area for maybe a month or two months. And again, if you can get into that volunteer realm where you're, you can just work and trade for an RV site, typically those entities will offer more shorter stays. They're just a little more flexible in having the volunteers kind of coming just for a month and going, especially if you've had experience in those positions before. You know, it's, it's not like it's, there's going to be a lot of training for you to come in as a camp host. Like, yeah, I've, I've you know, operated at other places before. So you may just need to know how they do it, but you kind of have a general idea of what's going on. So with the, with the volunteers, you can usually get some shorter stints. I, but it, that's not to say you ha- it's only in the volunteer realm. I believe like Delaware North, they're one of the concessionaires in Yellowstone and other national parks. I think their shortest term is, is three months. And, okay. and I mean, you could there's still going to be a lot to do in Yellowstone, even over a period of three months. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so yeah, I, I think this may get more people into work camping just for that aspect as well. Okay. So if, if I did end up somewhere and it wasn't working out and I, and I tried to compromise with my employer and then I decided to move on, is that going to mm-hmm. be a mark against me if I want to try for other gigs? It's just going to depend. It's just going to depend. So it's kind of up to you whether you um, leave that on as, you know, in the work history on your resume or not. Just like they're all makes and models of work campers, there's all makes and models of employers. So there's going to be good ones out there on both sides and bad ones out there on both sides. Mm-hmm. So it, if, you know, the owner, the manager, whoever you were dealing with was ended up being a total jerk face and just completely unrealistic and spouting off and is someone that you think would not be able to be a professional, then perhaps that's, you don't 
list them. You could indicate, you know, I was working for this period of time, but that operate that situation didn't work out and, and I had to leave, you know, and, and don't maybe even say exactly, you could just say campground Atlanta, Georgia, or kind of where it yeah. was, if you didn't even necessarily want to list like the exact specific RV park or, or whatever that employer is. There are some employers that communicate with other employers from Ed what I'm aware of, there's nothing out there that's like a blacklist of work campers. If, if it exists, I, I don't know where it is or who started it or whatever. I don't think like that's a thing where you need to worry about your employer, like whispering to other employers or, or whatnot. So I wouldn't worry about that. It, and it's just, you know, you're just going to have to be honest with whoever you're applying to. And that's going to feel the best for you, I think, yeah. you know, if, if you tried your hardest at an operation and it just wasn't working out, like at least you tried, you know, if you're someone who stole from the cash register and left in the middle of the night, well, you know, yeah, there are those folks out there, but they're not the ones who are going to worry about the work history on their resume. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, it, yeah. What about the reverse of that? Do you, as, as the curator of the work camper news, what if you keep getting a report over and over from a specific employer who is, you know, not, not holding up their end of the deal? Do you guys get involved at all with any of that kind of stuff? Sure. So we don't really play judge and jury in the work camping world because we're, we're not an agency. We're not like placing people. So when work campers, join and become members and start to review the job listings and make a resume like there's no review process that goes through to make sure you're a good work camper and it's the same with employers you know when they come in and submit an ad and, and get going like we don't you know we don't do a in on-site visit and talk with all the managers yeah, yeah, yeah. and we do have the work camper experiences section which is basically a review tool. oh okay uh, that's been compiling reviews since 2007 and when an employer runs an ad in our system, if there are reviews listed in Work Camper Experiences, there's a link to click right there to oh, go. Oh, great. So I, it's certainly underutilized because there's thousands of Work Campers taking thousands of jobs all the time and the amount of reviews that come in are pretty minimal. So I certainly encourage Work Campers to share about the experiences that they had, whether good or bad. Yeah. Um, so anyway, in thinking about that, it's getting back to the main topic here, it's just important for the work camper to do their due diligence. And it, it's just tough because one position, it, what's right for one person is not right, right for another person. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, bottom line, yes, there could be a manager or an owner who's like verbally abusive or whatever. And so like, that's kind of a different arena, but if it's just like, well, the RV site wasn't what we wanted it to be, or it wasn't this, or it wasn't that. It's like, well, that might be okay with somebody else. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of like if, just with anything, we're, and just as a society today, we're so so review based. You know, oh, before I buy this bottle of soda, I better read read some reviews on it to make sure I'm gonna like it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. That's, that's how we're kind of trained. So I hope more people will get out there, whether it's as a work camper news member in our system or or online elsewhere to share about the work camping experiences that, that that they had. So that way other work campers can do that research ahead of time to get as much information as they can before making the decision to drive hundreds of miles to that employer. Yeah. So, you know, read work camping reviews if you can, read normal reviews, Google, Yelp, wherever you can find them. Some employers may even be listed on the sites like Glassdoor 
and mm. other sites like that, which are kind of typical employee review yeah. sites of businesses. So just read, 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 even go to YouTube and Google or not Google, but go to YouTube and search on there. See if there's any videos or anything people have made about the operation or the area just to try to get as much info as you can. And preparing a list of questions for your interview and making sure the employer does an interview with you. If that employer just wants to shoot you a couple emails and call it done, maybe that's okay with you, but I would want to speak with the person and make sure all of this is real and, and yeah. make sure my RV can fit on the RV site, make sure I can drive to the location with my RV. And even just some of those simple things, like people don't think to ask ahead of time. So again, it's, it's just create your process for finding the right work camping job for you and work that process. Try not to let emotions take over. Don't be so excited about a job. You're like, yes, yes, yes. If you'll have me, great. Before getting all of those questions answered and doing your research, because something, you know, people can present very well, whether it's a business or, or an individual, and it's not exactly what it seems. So do your due diligence and know what sort of due diligence that you should do. And just yeah. kind of one other little detail to that, I know it's kind of a long answer, but like on our website, we have a, a member map tool. And then there's another uh, website called Our Village, which is kind of like the social media Facebook network for RVers specifically. So mm -hmm. utilize those tools, search for the location. If it is a location-based job that you're going to, search and see if there's any work campers or RVers in that area and try to contact them and be like, hey, I see you're at this location. Does that mean you're working for XYZ employer? I just wanted to see if I could talk to you about it. So even mm. kind of trying to network that way, I think uh, could be beneficial. Oh, that's great. These, the, these are like really, really great advice, really <laughs> great tips that I hadn't thought of. Sure, um, so totally. thanks. Thanks for sharing some of that stuff. Yeah. I, I did have a question though. Are there are there uh, scammers out there looking to take advantage of work campers? Possibly. I mean, I, I think that kind of happens anywhere. I know, so here at Work Camper News, you know, we're a little different in that ads are submitted to us and we read through it and process it. And the employers pay for advertising in our system. Mm -hmm. So when you're reviewing the job listings from Work Camper News, spammers not going to pay to run an ad. Right. You know? Uh, probably not. So we actually, we've had a couple instances where we could tell just based on what was submitted that it was like a pirate account. So they were trying to masquerade as an actual entity and run an ad that had probably, you know, information that would have taken the work camper down a, a, the wrong kind of path, but they were masquerading as XYZ RV park. And we, you know, were like, no, this isn't, this isn't right. So even in our system, mm. that's trying to be submitted. So certainly on the websites that are out there completely open to the internet, anybody can do anything at any time, you know, whether it's social media or, or an actual website, you do want to be cautious, you know, and again, that just comes back to the due diligence. Just if there's only one contact point, you know, Take a look at it. If the website seems a little fishy, maybe back out and just try to look up the entity and make sure it is a, a legitimate business entity. And of course, there are, you know, opportunities out there, whether it be kind of the multi-level marketing realm, 
some people really enjoy that and do really great at it. Mm. And again, that's just something else. It might be right for you. It might be a company that has a good program for that. And it might not be. So again, it's Google is your friend and, you know, social media too. just have any other work campers done this job or worked for this entity or or whatever and and see, see what you get. Okay. I'm really enjoying this conversation, but let's take a quick break here so I can share some information about an exciting opportunity. This week, we're talking about finding jobs that are location dependent, which can be a great way to earn money for RV travel. But have you ever thought about starting your own business that you can take on the road? I want to share with you a community that I've been a part of for a couple of months now. Roadpreneur is a membership designed to help start or scale a business that will allow you to get out and explore while earning a healthy income. Kimberly Crossland, who is the leader of this organization and is actually going to be our guest next week on the podcast, has been running her own location independent business for almost a decade. When you join this community, you'll get access to so many great benefits, including co-working sessions with other entrepreneurs, self-paced modules to help you set your business goals and grow your audience, a monthly Q&A, and a copy review with a professional copywriter. Plus, you'll be part of a community of others who are also building businesses, so you have people to bounce ideas off of and to cheer each other on. Listeners to the Solo Women RV podcast can sign up for a discounted rate of just $37 a month by going to roadpreneur.com slash solowomenrv. That's R-O-A-D-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. So come and join me and let's grow together, roadpreneur.com slash solowomenrv. There's no long-term commitment. So if you decide it's not for you, you can leave at any time and feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm happy to chat more about this opportunity. We're talking a lot about some of the things to look out for. I want to talk a bit about maybe the dream assignment. I was like, we were Mm -hmm. talking about Yellowstone and I was going down a little bit of a rabbit hole of jobs at Yellowstone. Like what are some, what are some of the top like places where people want to work? I, to me, see, it's all perspective, right? Someone who really enjoys like the mountains and stuff like that, where there's other people who really enjoy like beaches and some people are like big cities. Yeah. And big cities, (laughs) get me away. So that's, that's really, I mean, Personally, I think going to Alaska is amazing and it can be expensive. Like if you're just an RVer and you're like, I'm going to do Alaska next summer. Like if you want to do the tours and really see a bunch of stuff, you better save some change friends, but you could go up there and work camp for the summer. And yes, your RV is going to stay more in one location, but you're going to get paid while you're up there and your RV site provided. So that's going to be a whole lot of savings for you while still getting to enjoy the beauty in the area. So I really think going up to Alaska is super cool, but see, it's, yeah. it's, it's just, there isn't really a perfect job out there because some people want to earn a lot of money. So if you're someone who's like, I need Boku bucks, then go do sugar beet harvest, go do Amazon camper force, go do DigiKey you know, do an amusement park that's going to pay you for every hour's work and and those types of jobs. They're certainly out there. But then, you know, you're someone who's like, I don't want to get paid because I don't want to deal with the tax hassle. 
and I just want to go be peaceful somewhere, then you need to go find and be the camp host at a, you know, really remote day use area in a forest somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Ah, so it's so hard to say. It's so individual. So let's talk a bit about compensation because you were mentioning mm-hmm. uh, some places where you wouldn't get paid for every hour of work. I right. know some, what, what would a typical, I mean, I guess there is no typical because we're, that's what we're discovering. So <laughs> yeah. what are some of the different arrangements? Absolutely. Sure. So in some instances, you're going to work, you know, a number of hours in trade for an RV site and you'll want to specify or, or clarify, typically your utilities are going to be included, like electric, um, water, and there may also be other perks like Wi-Fi or maybe even a landline phone or use of a laundry room or maybe a kitchen or uh, maybe propane discounts, kind of some other perks like that. So you want to still kind of factor those things in as well. So working so many hours in trade for an RV site. Now, if it's a campground or an RV park that's offering that, and that's pretty much the main places that do. I mean, there's going to be a, a few that aren't typical RV parks. Find out what the cost is of the RV site, usually. Mm. If they have seasonal rates, you want to use that seasonal rate or a monthly rate. Um, if they only have nightly rates, then you need to do the math on the nightly rate. But figure up what your hourly wage in essence would equate to. If I'm working 12 hours a week for my RV site, how many, you know, so that's 12 hours times 4.25 weeks a month. So that's how many hours I'm working. So what's the value of the RV site and the perks that I'm being provided, divide that by my number of hours to kind of figure out what my hourly wage is gonna equate to. And then it's up to you to decide if that's okay with you or not. It's really gonna vary you know, I've seen trade outs, you know, there's some places, especially like some RV resorts that have all the things. They've got mini golf and three pools and activities and all this other stuff going on all the time. So if you have use of all of those amenities, then that's, you know, part of the value as well. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to put like a dollar amount on those things. So some of that's kind of intangible. It's just going to have to be up to you. And if it's, you know, the RV sites overlooking a lake in this area that's five minutes from your grandkids. What is that worth to you? That's got to be factored in as well. So when you're looking at these trade-out situations, it's not just black or white, you know, RV site divide by hours. That's it. you got to factor in all the other stuff in my okay. opinion. So there are some words just in trade for an RV site. Sometimes you'll work 10 hours a week and trade for your RV site. And then there will be extra hours on top of that in which you'll be paid wages. And so if you're someone who's like, I need to make sure I'm getting wages on top of my RV site, then you want to make sure that employer is going to guarantee you a certain number of hours because some employers will base it on business level. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, you know, around Labor Day, all hands on deck, we're going to want you 30, 40 hours that week. But maybe in the middle of the summer in a quiet week, they're not going to have any extra hours for you because there's not that workload that's needed. So, and some employers will, you know, they should be upfront and state that like we can guarantee you this many hours or the hours are going to fluctuate depending upon business need. So that's another one to, to, you know, consider and make sure you get specifications on. And then of course there's ones where you're paid for every hour work 
and the RV site and other perks are provided. So then it's all woohoo in your pocket. Yay, fun. And then there's others even that offer like Bolin Travel Centers out in New Mexico and Arizona. They do, you know, 401k and paid time off and health, like career, like yeah, okay. on top of. So there's, you know, and season end bonuses come into play in a lot of places. South Dakota, especially like to give work campers a discount card. So you get a card with discounts on a bunch of different, you know, businesses and tours and things in the area. So, you know, that's a cool value. So that's kind of the generic kind of compensation range that I can think of at the moment, but it does really vary. So even in, if you're factoring in the trade-out situation, like hourly wages are going to range anywhere from like $7 to 30 some dollars, you know, I've seen it's, it's a really okay. big range and work campers should also always make sure to ask the employer if you are getting an RV site or any other like non-monetary benefits, ask the employer if you're going to be receiving a W-2 or a 1099 for the value of those non-monetary. Oh, okay. Because you want to keep that in mind, you know, do I want to do a tax return for this other state that I worked in, or do I not want to have to do a tax return for, you know, that state that I worked in? And am I a resident of a state that taxes income or because yeah. certain states don't, yeah, have right. to tax on, on the on the income and stuff like that. So there's kind of some other factors at play. So, you know, if the employer is requiring you to work certain hours and dictating how and when you get the job done and stuff, you should be treated as a W-2 employee. Some work camping opportunities can function as a, a contractor 1099 relationship, but you should have a lot more flexibility in those types of positions. So most of the time it's going to be that W-2 situation, but that's something else that you want to specify. So there's no surprises, you know, in January, all of a sudden you got these W-2s coming at you and you're like, what? <laughs> so. Okay. Are employers required to pay minimum wage? I mean, yeah. If you're a W-2 employee and they're, you know, paying you a wage, yeah. Yeah. Okay. If, the, if the business isn't like following, you know, the rules and regulations, that's probably not someone that you want yeah. to work okay. for. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Sweet. One of the questions I had for you, since you do work a lot connecting um, employers and workers, are there, do you have like typical things that you have employers say, oh, they wish the workers knew and, and vice versa? That's a good question. That's a good question. And I wish I had some of those specifically like pulled up because I know we, you know, we've had some testimonials and some things like that come into us before, but just offhand thinking, just being flexible, you know, again, we kind of talked about this before, mm -hmm. you know, don't be so flexible that you end up getting taken advantage of, but just, you know, being flexible and having a positive attitude. Understand that a lot of these operations are, are kind of mom and pop run. The owner's wearing many hats, you know, they're the owner, the leader, the accountant, the bookkeeper, the website manager, the greeter, the, uh, just all the things. So there are maybe some days where it's, really crazy and they're not the people that you would love them to be. So just having some flexibility and, and some grace and just a, a positive attitude. That's really the majority mm. of, of what employers are looking for. And do your best to follow through on your commitments and communicate. So specifically, don't be a cherry picker. So if you are, you know, doing your job finding and you've committed to a position for next summer and it's, you know, months away, you stop looking, you're done. 
if you get another job offer that's you know really great or whatever, then you have to decide whether to go back on your agreement with the other employer that you already agreed to, or tell that inquiring employer, look, I'm already committed. Can I get back with you again on this date? And we can talk about the following year, you know, things like that. So things happen. It's totally understandable. RVs break down, medical things happen, family stuff happens, weather stuff happens, pandemic stuff happens, stuff happens. But make sure you're communicating with that employer as soon as possible. If you know you're not going to be able to be there when you said you were going to be there, tell that employer right away. You know, call them up, email them. And on you should be, especially if you're a work camper taking a job that's many months in advance of the start date, be checking in with that employer anyway. Send them emails here or there. Give them a phone call here and there just to make sure everything is still going as planned. Stuff happens with the employers as well. You know, mm. parks get bought, different ownership managers come in, et cetera. Work campers have shown up to jobs where, sorry, we didn't know you were coming. We just bought this business and there's not like notes and stuff. So we don't have a job for you. And they say, you know, so again, yeah, so okay. communication, communication, communication. So again, if, if you can't fulfill your commitment, let them know as soon as possible. And, you know, like we talked about before, if you are at a position and things aren't going well, try to do some communicating first before just, you know, packing up and, and hitting the road if you can. So Very yeah. Great. And I guess one other thought too, it is still, I, I know we talked about some of the more fun jobs don't necessarily feel like work, but it can still be work. So yeah. don't run into work camping thinking it's all going to be rainbows and puppy dogs and it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to hang out. Da, 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 da. Like you need to do the job that you were hired to do. So please try your best. Understand the employers are relying on you to keep their business going and their customers served or, or whatever, whatever the business entity is. So um, just, just try to do your best. And that's, you know, we always feel better when we try our best anyway, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jody. So let's pivot for a minute here now. So tell us mm -hmm. about Work Camper News and, you know, yeah. why, like, why would I want to sign up for something like that as opposed to just looking on Facebook or other places where sure. there's jobs? Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, so we are a professional membership organization. It's me and my husband, and we've got four other gals in the office here. So you have a support staff that's here and happy to help you first and foremost. We're not hobbyists. This is our job and our livelihood, and we're here to help employers and work campers. That's what we do and what we love. So first off, becoming a member with us, you've, you've got this support system in place. We have Boku amounts of videos and articles and online courses. You could spend, you know, the rest of your year going through the education we have because we feel it's so important for you to understand what to do, when to do it, how to do it, so that you're confident in moving forward and thus you're going to end up being more successful at this lifestyle because we want happy work campers and happy employers at the end of the day as a member with us you know we do have the most job listings that folks will find anywhere you know organized specific to work camping um, our hotline system is, is super cool uh, we get new job listings coming in each day to that each evening we send out an email with all of the job listings from that day Every uh, day, 365? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. 
every weekday. Wow. We actually close on weekends. That's amazing um, though. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't, there hasn't been, we haven't had a day without a new job listing for, I, I don't even know if that's ever happened since I've been here. Okay. So yeah, like last week we had 90 new job listings and the week before, I think it was 85 or we're really moving into a busier time of year. Yeah. The, Right now, which we're recording this in January, the employers that will open in the summer season are really getting uh, heavy in the recruiting now. So, so yeah, we will email and the email that comes to you, it's the full job listing. We're not like truncating it. You don't then have to go click to a website mm. to look at it, which you can, but you don't have to. That's, we have what's called job alerts. So if you're only interested in working in Montana, then you can turn on job alerts for Montana mm. and every new Montana ad will just come right to your inbox. You don't have to sit and try to scroll through a Facebook group and figure out, oh, I saw that ad two days ago, but it's up here now because somebody else commented on it. And, you know, which ads yeah. are new, which ads are not. And trying to, good luck trying to search in those Facebook groups. Oy vey, it's challenging yeah. sometimes. <laughs> so, so we have, you know, some good ways to search on our hotline jobs page. But we also have a bi-monthly magazine. That's kind of how Work Camper News started was a mailed out newsletter that's evolved into a magazine. And so that's our other main avenue for reviewing the job listings. So we have that hotline system, but also the magazine and that we have over 90 issues on our website. That's the biggest archive of work camping jobs that you'll find anywhere. Okay. And I, I would totally encourage work campers to look through older ads. And if there's something out there that matches what you're looking for, totally contact that employer because you, you never know just because they're not advertising right now doesn't mean they won't have open opportunities. So, you know, definitely look for that. But in addition to the job listings, like I said, we link right to our camper reviews that have been made with that employer. You can go to the member map to then connect with other work campers, maybe that are in those specific employer locations. We, we just, there's a lot on our website and I know it kind of overwhelms our work campers sometimes, but if you can <laughs> dig mm -hmm. in and really yeah. start utilizing the tools, we have a super easy resume builder. It just walks you through creating a resume geared towards work camping. So if oh, like creating that's a resume, awesome. you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like we got you just fill it out. Oh, there's, great. There's a section where you type in stuff about yourself. There's even a sample there. You can kind of model off of if you nice. want to. Okay. But once you have your resume made, it's out there in the database to be found by employers. Okay. And you can send it out if you want to. You can email it, make it into a PDF that you can upload to a website, et cetera. And what I like specifically about our database, our resume database is only available to our employer gold members. So an employer has to pay a membership to access our resume database. We're not just posting everybody's phone numbers, addresses, email addresses, locations, oh, yeah. all this historical information about people on the open internet. It's locked right. down, friends. Yeah. So okay. you know, I do encourage work campers who do want to post in public, you know, social media, websites, et cetera. If you want to use those sources, you know, go ahead, but be cautious about the information that you share. Maybe create a separate email address that you don't use for anything else. Okay. Don't put phone numbers, don't put your current location, you know, just be a little cautious about what you're putting out there. Cause there's just, you just don't know who's lurking out there on the internet anymore. I don't, yeah. I, don't I haven't heard a lot of stories yeah. about being taken advantage of or anything, but it's just generic 
don't let your identity get stolen, you know? Yeah. Okay. So if I, if I created a resume and posted it on, on work camper news, would, would I be able to indicate then like, let's say I did want to just work in Montana Mm -hmm. and then, and then I would only be contacted by places in Montana. I mean, I can't guarantee you that other employers not located in Montana will be like, like, Oh, this Kathy lady looks really good. I know she doesn't want to come to Missouri, but man, I would like to have her. Maybe I can entice her with something good. So, you know, we don't know like which employers are looking at which resumes and stuff like that. So I can't say for sure that every opportunity that comes your way is going to be the right one. Uh, But you will certainly be contacted by employers for sure. Yeah. Especially if you're keeping it updated, you know, you have it filled out and working for you. We also have situation wanted ads, which just you write a little text ad about how awesome you are and get that posted online. And then your resume can link to that as well. So, you know, it's just another way for you to kind of jump up and down in front of employers to be like, pick me, pick me, you know, I'm awesome. So again, it just kind of the most successful work campers coming back to what we talked about earlier are the people that are are putting in some legwork with this mm-hmm. job finding process. So the longer you're in it, if you do put your resume out there and just kind of keep it updated here and there, and you really get some good experience under your belt, it's going to become easier for you to find the positions, whether you're a solo couple, family, whatever. The more robust your resume looks in there, you know, the more likely employers are going to be like, these people know what they're doing. I want them for me, you know, kind of thing. And we also do something that, I isn't done anywhere else for our platinum level work camper members. If they want, we'll, we'll verify their work history. So mm. when they enter in, I worked for XYZ campground, this date, this date, this date, then you submit a request. We'll call that employer and say, did Jane Doe work for you this date to this date? And they'll say yes or no. If they said yes. Then we mark that as a verified work history. Oh, okay. So when an employer is looking at your resume, then we've taken out some of the legwork for them. So, oh, this work camper is verified that they've done these jobs and I don't now have to necessarily call all the references and do as much work. So Jane Doe looks pretty awesome. Awesome. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. So we, we do what we can to try and help each party work campers and employers kind of develop their brand in the work camping lifestyle. And we have tools to, to put themselves out there. And okay. hopefully learn as much as they can and, and have as much information as they can to find those right matches for themselves. Gotcha. We're hoping to do an app as well. And we're this, oh, this next great. version of workcamper.com is going to blow stuff out of the water and we're super psyched about it. But if you've ever redone a website, it's, it's also a nightmare at the same time. But so many of yeah. us are smartphone friendly now. So yeah, that's, that's really good. <laughs> Okay. And, but you also offer, I saw some free webinars. Yeah. So this year I'm going to do uh, once a month, I'm going to do a work camping Q and a webinar for the fourth Wednesday of every month. So uh, if you're on our Facebook page or in our Facebook group, or if you're getting our daily hotline jobs email, you'll see notifications of that. So I'm going to be doing that every month and we're hoping to do some other educational webinars uh, this year as well. We took a, a little bit of time off last year from doing that because we, we did a bunch in 2020. And we do have a, if you go to rvdreamersjourney.com, that's an online course that we did in 2020 since we weren't able to do the rendezvous. We mm. recorded, I think there's like 
50 videos in the RV Dreamers Journey course, preparing people for RVing and work camping. So that's that's out there if folks wanted to check that out. But there's a lot of videos and, and stuff on our website as well. We do have employers from time to time who do what we call jobinars. And so that's just the employer hosting a webinar session where they, you know, give a presentation mm -hmm. about their opportunities. And then those who are attending the webinar can ask questions to that employer in, in that time frame. Okay. So we'll be seeing quite a few of those taking place in, in the first part of this year. It's, it's typically the bigger employers that hire hundreds yeah. of, of work campers that like to do those jobinars. But yeah, you'll see us posting about those. Nice. Sure. All right. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like you, you offer a lot and I know you're offering a discount for mm -hmm. our listeners. So if you want to become a member, if you join for a year using the promo code SOLOPOD, that's S-O-L-O-P-O-D, then you'll get 14 months for a yearly membership price. So thank you so much Absolutely. for that generous sure. offer for our listeners. This conversation has been so informational for me. Awesome. I really, I Good. really um, appreciate the time that you took to come on and share with us. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you want to say? I guess just work camping is super cool and it can, it, it's going to be what you make of it. But, you know, like we talked about before, I know typically, and, and from what we know of work campers are usually in kind of this next phase of their lives. And so I think it's really important that we as humans continue growing and continue learning, continue trying new things and going new places. Yes. And so, oh, so budget-wise, yeah. if you, you know, work camping might be able to get you into that. I, I just, it gives you a sense of purpose and I want more people to know that they still have more to give and more to do. So if retirement is your idea is just sitting in a rocking chair and wasting away, this is not the podcast for you or the life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, go out there and, and be adventurous and do something fun and meet some really amazing people. I think that's kind of one of the most best byproducts of work camping and just RVing in general is mm -hmm. the super awesome people that you're going to get to meet. So if you go into work camping with that sort of attitude and that sort of excitement, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Thanks so much for having me. This has been yes. a lot of fun. I obviously I enjoy talking about this. So, yeah, I know. I love this interview. Well, thank you so much, Jody. I really want to thank my guest Jody for that great interview. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, Work camping can be any number of things, not just working at a campground or a national park. Think about what your passions are and where you'd like to be located and you might be able to find a great work camping job that fits it. Number two, don't let your lack of experience discourage you from applying from a work camping job. Most employers want motivated workers that they can trust train to do the rest. Number three, finding the right job is work. As a solo, it might be harder than for a couple, but places need workers right now. So this is a good year to try to get out and get a work camping job. Number four, if you don't need a paycheck, but want a free campsite in a really great location, considering volunteering for a state park or a nonprofit. Number five, keep in mind, you'll have to file income taxes in the states that you work in. And number six, 
Like any good relationship, communication is key. While you're trying to land the job, setting up expectations before you arrive, and then when you're actually on the job. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Solo Women RV Podcast. It really means a lot that you take the time to put us in your ear this week. You can find more content for Solo Women RVers over at solowomenrv.com. And if you like what you heard today, please consider leaving us a review on Apple or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. And you can also become a podcast sponsor by going to anchor.fm slash Kathy hyphen Belge. If you heard something today you think someone else would benefit from, please share it with them. It's really great to help get our podcast out there. Solo Women RV theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road. Mm-hmm.